Hi, and welcome to a Small, Medium, at Large podcast. I'm your host, Gail Heisen, bringing you intimate stories that heal. Tonight, we have a very special guest coming to us from Bangkok, Thailand, Debbie Cray. Debbie Cray is a well-known international psychic medium and one of the world's rare spiritual mediums. Debbie is also a Reiki master teacher, an interactive hypnotherapist, an NLP coach and spiritual advisor. Her life's mission is to empower people to master their destiny and to create a life that is rooted in abundant, unlimited power. Everything that has been divinely gifted through her to assist others on their journey towards well-being and success. She works with spirit, angelic beings, and ascended masters to help clients achieve their highest purpose by channeling truths as a psychic medium. Debbie has worked with clients from over 59 countries. She has been featured in the TV show, House Hunters International. She recently received the TripAdvisor's 2021 Traveler's Choice Award as one of Thailand's foremost psychic mediums and healers. Let's welcome Debbie Cray to the show today. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Gail, how are you? I'm good, it's so (laughs) great to have you here. Oh, it's wonderful to be had. (laughs) Yes, I I realize we're in different time zones. For me, it's the nighttime, for you, it's the morning. But hey, right now there's no time, it's just us together. Hey, no, it's just connection. There's no time, human constructs. (laughs) So I like to always start off with people's childhood because that's, I feel, my intimate part of our talk. Right. I'd like to know, as a child, did you have unusual experiences? And if so, you might share a couple with us. And as you were growing in your childhood, did you have people or family around you that understood the things that were happening to you? Or were you just dealing with those different things on your own? Yeah, um, I started realizing like very young um, that I was different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, about I remember my first experience, which is interesting because people don't remember when they're two or three. And I remember lying in this cot and my brother was in the room with me and the door was half ajar. And I remember feeling this incredible presence. So it woke me up. And the, the, through the door was this vision, this apparition in, in white light. And it appeared to be wearing, at that time, I didn't know, like a toga, a wreath around its head. And it just emanated this incredible energy and love. But then it started moving towards me. And of course, being a child, the fear set in. So screaming ensued. And then my mom came running up and both myself and my brother were actually screaming. And she said, it's a dream, it's a dream, it's a dream. But actually later on when we connected about 21 years of age, I had a conversation with him about it and he, we'd never talked about it. And he actually remembered and seen it as well. So that was kind of, wow. And through the spiritual things that I did later on, people actually ended up describing when I described it, who that was and I found out. But um, as a child, I was like, Sixth Sense, I was hiding under the blankets, seeing <laughs> dead people, basically, whispering, they used to whisper a lot, and I put my fingers in my ear. Sometimes I'd look at the wall, and I would see the molecules of the wall moving, 
and feel like I was going into a portal. So you can imagine as a really young child. And I remember finding out that I was different through the people around me and their reactions to things I was saying in my innocence, like, oh, you know, I saw an angel last night and it was lovely. How, what was your angel like? And people will go, what are you talking about? Uh -huh. So I grew up in, in a very strong Catholic faith, strong Catholic family. There was church every Sunday. And so, was you know, I started in Ireland. Is that where you were growing up? Pardon? I said, were you in Ireland at the time? Is that where yes, you Yes, I, I grew up in Dublin, born and bred in Dublin. And it was church every Sunday. Your Sunday roast when you went home and it was a, a staple. And I remember not wanting to go to the church because I would get blackouts. Mm. And I'd sit there and I just wouldn't see, but I could hear everything. And my dad would take me outside. It'd be about 10 minutes. And so I started thinking something was wrong and it was bad, you know? So I, I started being quite frightened. And when I started having, oh, that's freaky. How can you do this? Like someone would show me a picture and I'd be able to tell what was going on in that person's life. People would say to me, you know, you see the fear and how do you know that? That's really accurate. So it wasn't when I was growing up hundred years ago, <laughs> that wasn't, you can't talk about it like now. So I ended up creating an internal world and I tried to stop it. And I tried to keep my experiences to myself for quite a long time. There was no one in my family with the ability. So I didn't have that support or understanding. So right. it, it's quite difficult for me for a very long time. I would think also the intense Catholic church would not really support those experiences. No, it was not encouraged at all. And anything supernatural was considered to be sort of the devil's work. So you can imagine, Yes. you know, I started thinking, oh, maybe I'm possessed. Maybe the devil's going to come to me and all those nightmare things. But the, the beautiful thing was, though, there was real angels coming and there was real spirits coming. So the protection was there regardless. Yes. You know, um, but what happened for me that was a massive game changer was um, my mother became involved in this healing center called the Tony Quinn Healing Center. And I didn't know at the time, but looking back now, he was so ahead of his time. Like he was on mountains eating cherries for 40 days and meditating and doing NLP before anyone else did NLP. But he, um, my mom was going to that center and said, okay, I was suffering from depression. I became reclusive because I couldn't be in that world. I couldn't be me. So I didn't realize that by just by cutting myself off from those abilities, you're actually stagnating your energy causing depression. So she said, oh, I think you, you should go and see one of the healers. Um, so I started going to the center, doing bodybuilding there and going to meditation and healing. And one of the couples that worked there, one was a psychoanalyst and the other was a very intense man. They were working there for quite some time and I'd known him. They asked me to start doing essential oils and working from their home. Anyway, one night they asked me to house it and uh, they were going away. And in those days, if you go away, people are watching the house they break in. So there's a lot of break-ins, a lot. So you get a house sitter. Mm -hmm. Their house was a beautiful Edwardian home, high ceilings. They have the, all the, you know, 12 inch TV screens before everybody else did. So I was like, yes, let's do this. Watch movies and DVDs, eat popcorn. So when I was sleeping in their room in the middle of the night, I was woken up like I was when I was a child, which hadn't happened in a very long time. 
So were you, you in your 20s then? Is this, Pardon? Were you in your 20s then or were you a teenager? Yeah, I was about 20, yeah. And just yeah. To interrupt for one second, could you tell our audience what that means, the NLP? What that's that's Neuro Linguistic Programming. Neuro Linguistic Linguistic Programming. It's, it's kind of considered to be the antivirus for the brain and <laughs> people... Yeah, Tony, uh, Tony, um, Tony Robbins and whatever he he learned that when he was 21 from the originators of that, mm -hmm. and then basically went out and they tried to sue him and said you stole this, and he changed the naming of it and went started writing books and took that to a whole new level. So you got to give him credit for that, but he yes. didn't create that. He learned it from someone else and he developed it and put his own stamp on it. But back then. My Tony <laughs> had learned all that and he was into my power of the mind and all those things. So he did seminars and I frequented a lot of those seminars. So I became very involved in this. You know, I met other people that were having dreams that were actually happening, premonition dreams. I had people finally I could talk to about certain things. So it was for me, I just wanted to be there all the time. And at that time, there was a recession in Ireland. You couldn't get a job in McDonald's. So I had all the time in the world to kind of formulate, get a job in the health store, get a job doing this and really immerse myself fully because I wanted to understand why I could see what I did. But I still didn't meet people that were similar to me. Everything that I did was still really out there, <laughs> even amongst them. So one night anyway, I, I was staying in their home and I woke up feeling a presence in the room and there was a man leaning over me. And of mm -hmm. course, panic, but I could see through him. And it was only a split second and I closed my eyes and I went, go away, go away. And I opened my eyes and he was gone, but I could still feel the presence. So I turned the lights on under the covers again, going, oh no, I thought I had fixed this, you know? And about six in the morning, I woke up because eventually I fell asleep and packed my bags and got out of there. So when the family returned, they said, oh, how was everything? And I said, well, I, ha I have to talk about this. I can't stay quiet. I, I feel like I can with this group of people. So I told them what happened and the husband said, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And sat, sort of sat there for half an hour with his very intense eyes. And I said, okay, you're going to tell me and he said, well, the neighbors came this morning and said, I'm so glad you're okay. And he said, what do you mean? We were away. What do you mean you're okay? Well, the robbers breaking into the house last night, we saw the light go on and, and the robbers run. They were breaking into the house. So in that moment, I realized that spirit had come to save my life and wake me up. Because in those days, you know, if you were caught in the house, so I thought, yeah. okay, I'm tired being afraid of this. Now I'm curious. Now I want to know more. And ironically, the family knew that spirit was there. They had been to another psychic, actually Tony, and he said they, he protects the house. So that was the beginning of the journey for me to go, okay, I really need to understand this. Yeah. That, that, that it was, he was a messenger and a protector. Very much so. And I was able to describe in detail what he was wearing, but it was like a split second and oops. And he was like from the 30s wearing a sleeveless little V-neck, one of those little um, vests they used to wear with the shirt. He was about 38, hairs to the side, but it was literally boom. And I thought, well, how 
can I remember? So when spirits come to you, they impregnate things within the third eye. So even though I saw him physically for a millisecond, I was able to fully describe what he looked like to the owner of the house. And he said, check, that's what I've seen. That's so that same. was, wow, okay. So we have to commend your mother because you know a mother has a love for their child that always only wants the best for their child from their heart. They want yeah. to be the best. And so in the culture and situation that she was in in Dublin, she found a place to really bring you to to yeah. let you open up into the things that she maybe herself wouldn't be able to, you know, open up for you. But bringing you to that place was her way of putting you on the right track. And right. That well, myself and my mother had quite a um, difficult relationship. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't have that friendship, you know, bond. It was it was difficult. I lived in, in fear of her a lot. She was a very powerful character, but she. Um, went to the healing centers wanting to become a healer herself. So she'd been frequenting this center to a different healer than I was going to and practicing different things and crystals and all kinds of stuff. So this was way, way back before you see the crystals now. So she, even for her, she was ahead of her day. And to this day, I've never been able to ask her how she knew certain things. So you go, wow, I wish we'd had that relationship because she talked about um, when she was about 28, 29, she worked in this very high so shopping mall in Dublin that would be like Harrods, same. And she said that one day she found this Ouija board in the window and she freaked out and put it back in the storeroom and hoped that no one would know she removed it. But I never, we never had that relationship where I went, how did you know back in your day in your generation what a Ouija board was? So there's a lot of things I lost and thought about later. Wow, how did she know those things? Um, I remember this, uh, this, huh? this shows me every time I keep talking with, I'm finding like, as I do these podcasts and interviews, I'm finding so many like-minded people where we can right. talk about these things and we both know what we're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so it seems like she, um, she, was having these experiences and things, but it was unknown to you. But I think you were also genetically connecting in a way where you were actually both going on because you do tarot and other things. I think you were going along similar paths. It's just right. that she never allowed she didn't allow you into that space. But right. Was, and then so when she did, when she did, um, and she kind of sent me to the center um she then was kind of oh you're getting obsessed with the center and I'm like well this is where the answers are coming from me so we were very different my mom would get feelings about things and be pretty spot on but it's also on my father's side of the family yet nobody it's still oh she does that stuff mm -hmm. it's still not you know what I mean where there was somebody using but my dad is incredibly intuitive as well um so, very much so yeah so when we look back and we uncover these you know, shields are things that people have put up. We often find in our families, there are other people that are carrying around inf information or intuition or things that they may not have shared openly, but they're actually there amongst the family members. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, was, it, it was interesting because um, I had someone do some mediumship one time. So I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't normally get mediumship, but he was very spot on. 
um, and we were working together doing seminars in mediumship in Bangkok. So he had my grandmother cross and she said, we knew she was different. We knew she was special, but she used to argue with my grandfather, should we tell her and should we whatever, or let her figure it out for them, for herself. And the decision was let her figure it out for herself. So I hear this later on going, oh my goodness. So so now how, so now let's flash forward even further. So mm -hmm. in the twenties, you're getting lots of ex ex exercises and things that you're learning to get in touch with your spirit and intuition and open up more into other things. Mm -hmm. So did you continue on that path or did you take a, a job that has nothing to do with that? Did you have a, because you really have <laughs> a career at what you're doing and, and that takes a lot to build up a career that way. And I'm wondering, was that always the path you were on or were you doing other things? And then you finally decided, no, I'm going to only focus on doing psychic readings and mediumship and teaching. And this is my life. How did you get to that place? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a smooth ride. Um, <laughs> it's very bumpy. Um, no, what happened was I was involved with the center for maybe 16 years. Oh. And I still wasn't getting a lot of answers. I mean, I got a lot and I had some kind of like-mindedness and it was great. But then I was hitting doors where I was telling people things and they were looking at me. So I thought, okay, maybe this has gone as far as it needs to. And I find this has happened a lot in life. And I think you probably have that happen. Everything has an expiration date. Everything has an, a destiny to a point to get you that far. So that was the catalyst of the beginning for me. And I used to meditate um, with this beautiful healer called Adian, and she was just amazing. She was kind of like a mother figure for me. Mm -hmm. And then she'd call me over going, don't tell anybody, but I, we were in the meditation and I saw who you were sending that distant healing to and let me, and it was a famous celebrity that I really cared about at the time that was really ill. And she said, if that person ever met you, they would know you because of that zap. And she was kind of very taken aback going, what did you do? I said, nothing. I just put an intention to send love to them. So I started kind of going, why was that interesting for her considering the line of work she did? So I started um, working with this other lady that was in a different center that someone had referred me to that did at that time, again, someone very advanced for their time, cutting cords and she'd been doing it for 30 years. So basically she sat you in a room and she got you to go deep within your body and look at the energetic cords that you had attached to the people that were toxic for you. So I had a lot of issues with my mom and I wanted to heal that because I felt it was really holding me back. So I was going to her for a couple of months and it was very interesting, the colors of the cords, what the cords meant. And it came intuitively to me going, I see this green cord. This is her envy. This is because she's not able to do and so on and so forth. So when I was doing that work, I was invited to Champagne in France by a friend of mine who had said, oh, my grandmother's a witch and she's going to be so interested in seeing you. So one night we're, we're lying in the bed in this attic room, there's a tiny window and this bolt of light came in and immediately my instinct went, no, this is not good, but it was light. So I was confused because for me, light's always positive. And I could see this thing coming towards me like that and she could see it. So I screamed and said, no, you cannot enter me. You cannot come to me. 
So it just kind of went like powder and disappeared. So I was out of the bed, we were down drinking, you know, tea or coffee, I can't remember, it's silly o'clock in the morning. And this girl sat in front of me and her whole face changed. I'd never seen someone shapeshift and her grandmother had come through her and she said, oh, you're one of us now and start doing all this. And here I am in the middle of the countryside in France and Champagne, nowhere to go. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So I just prayed to God. I've always had a very strong connection with God since I was a child, like my best friend. So I prayed to God to keep me safe. And then I was told you'll be fine. And when I woke up the next day, the whole family had left the house and they'd gone to see the grandmother because some weird stuff went on in the house that night. Nothing to do with me, to do with another guest. So um, I said, right, I need to be taken to the train station. I, I, I need to go home. So when I came back, I felt very um, vulnerable and open that that could have come to me. I was very confused and frustrated that light came after me. Um, so when I went back to the lady, she said to me, where's your protection? Did you not learn protection? Did they not teach you that protection in the center? And I'm like, no. And that was the beginning for me of understanding protection in any work you do is so ultimate. So I think doing the cord work left me vulnerable and wide open energetically because she kept telling me it would. And I went into that situation. So believe it or not, unfortunately, it scared me so much. I didn't do anything for 10 years at all. I shut down. Very, we, I have a very similar story, just that I was a bit younger, but I had that when I was doing um, volunteer work of healing uh, cases, they called them, where they would tell me the name and the age and the city that someone was in. And in a couple of minutes, I would tell them everything that was physically wrong with the person. I was doing hundreds of them. And when I started doing so many, I was able to even tell them the particular pharmaceutical drugs that would be inside the person's body for their illness. But I was 16 at the time. So it was not like I had much information about bodies and this and that. And it was through this mind dynamics course, same thing, like when you did went to a healing center where you taught, you know, these people teach different techniques to people but they didn't teach anything about protection, about protecting your own self. They didn't do you anything. They just said, you yeah, go inside these bodies. So I'd go inside all these bodies and see all this disease. And after almost two years of doing it, I started to feel, and I don't know if this is something that you find is common with other people telling you that, but it was always on my left shoulder, this, this energetic, negative, dark presence. And I never saw anything, but I felt such a fear that I was afraid to go to the bathroom unless my boyfriend came in there with me because I was afraid to be left alone. Oh, and wow. I called up the organization and Werner Earhart, the man who had trained me into doing this and used me as my friend Russell calls a shill because I would stand up there and do these cases in front of audiences and hotels in front of 100 people. And then the people would sign up to take the course because they'd say, in two weekends, you'll learn how to do this too. And when I said to them, I'm so in fear of that someone's trying to possess my body, they said, it was your own reality. So you make your reality. Now you have to do, do it yourself, whatever it is. And I was lucky to have a father that was very spiritual who guided me and said, you have to face what this is. But they never taught you anything about 
protection. So all of these entity things were coming into me. It was like a dying person. And the whole experience of exercising him out was very simple, but very powerful, as you know, like when you said he just fell into little dust. So I had to do a similar thing, face this entity. And then I did the same as you, I shut down from 1972 until 1998, when I started up with science. Wow. I never wanted to do another thing again. I only let whatever happened naturally, whatever dreams or whatever things that came about. But the idea of doing intentional, that kind of work of healing with people and going in their bodies and seeing what the problem is, I felt that I should not do that anymore because of that experience. And there's something, I mean, it sounds sad, but it's comforting to know you had a similar experience <laughs> and that you, <laughs> it reacted the same way that for 10 years, you just said, so I'm shutting this down now. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. I, I, I think, and I, I just felt um, when I heard about you initially, I just had this weird, we've known each other so many lifetimes and I don't get that often. And it just made me super excited. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. We've had similar experiences at all, um, but it's funny. It's almost like if you start looking, it's almost like textbook experiences. Let's put her into a family that's Catholic and da, 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 da. Let's, let's send them to this person and let's make them completely stop and then have to eventually realize that you can't because life is going to be life. And the universe wants you to do what it wants you to do to share that gift. So you can shut down for a certain period of time, but it is going to orchestrate an experience for you to actually follow that. So I actually think it's it's a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. So then we really appreciate it when we get to where we are now, you know? <laughs> so now after the 10 years, you decided to go and let the different things that were happening to you freely emerge again. And then did you start yeah. things like, I know you do tarot and pendulum and different things like this. Is that when that began? No, it, 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 I'll be honest with you. It wasn't, it wasn't so intentional the second time around. Mm -hmm. it, again, it was life. So basically um, things would happen where I might be in a restaurant and it wasn't often, but I might be in a restaurant and somebody's mother would be on my right shoulder. And I'd go, okay. And she goes, I really need you to tell my son this. And I'd walk over to a table and go, excuse me. <laughs> I know you don't. And I would be twisting my fingers like, oh God, if I get rejected one more time, you know, because you do as a child, you probably understand a little bit what I'm talking about. Excuse me, you don't know me. And you know, I'm, I'm actually a really sane person, but your mom, <laughs> she's standing here in her favorite blue dress with her heart pendant. Her hair was set and done like she loved and she's wearing her favorite and they would give me the name of the actual lipstick you know from Lancome or whatever it is Estee Lauder and she's wearing her pearl pearl drop earrings and then just tears and she would like to tell you bam and they just say thank you very much and it I never got the rejection ever so when that would come I would do that and you would just see the reaction of people of joy and closure and you want to keep doing it, but you don't understand it. And I couldn't meet anybody that could explain it to me. So I just let it be when it happened, it would happen. But again, turning point, I was in my thirties and I 
had been in a very abusive marriage, not even a year. And I wanted to leave and I was praying and praying for spirit to release me, but I was really lost. Like I'd really lost my connection completely, but I was praying anyway. And I would remember walking down this road one day um, and it was a crossroads. And, you know, I did anthropology. Crossroads have so much spiritual, um, for, you know, in all folklore, so powerful energetically. So it happened to be a crossroads and a church was on my left with the graveyard. And I was about to cross over the, the road and um, I wasn't even looking. I didn't even want to look where I was going when I was crossing the road. I was just lost. I'd, I'd reached the end. And this voice came out of nowhere and said, if you have found out you had a terminal illness and you were going to die in a year, how would you live your life? How would you live that year? And I, I just was paralyzed because it wasn't a thought. It wasn't externally like someone going, hey, Deb. It, it was, you knew where it was intuitively and instinctively when that happens. You don't have to be a psychic, by the way, for that. I know people have had it. And I went, oh my God, I know where that came from. I better listen. So I started thinking, standing there for maybe 15 minutes running through, I go to Italy, I learn Italian, I do this. And I started getting all psyched. And then they came back and said something similar to more profound, obviously. Why would you wait to find out you're going to die to truly live, Deb? And it just <clears throat> went home and I packed my bags. And I was getting up to leave, another fight had started and spirit, I literally left my body and I saw myself standing there in fear. And I thought, that's pathetic, what's, what's that? I'm strong with that. And bam, into my body I went and I left. And I must've been, the, the road where my house was, was incredibly long, it was maybe two miles. So you got to the end of it and there was a bar at the end of it. And I must've been halfway down before I realized I'd left and where I was, like I literally was in trance. Mm -hmm. And what pulled me out of the trance was a beep, 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 beep. So I thought it was him. He'd come to get me. And I turned around and it was a taxi driver. He said, get in, love, get in. So I got in the car and I was trembling because now I realized I've left. Like, and I'm in, I'm terrified. He's going to come after me and all that. And the taxi driver looked around. He was looking in the mirror at me and he said, don't worry, love. He's never going to hurt you again. Mm. And I heard Earth Angel. And I knew spirit had literally lifted me from that room, taken me, got that taxi driver. Now I went to my, I went down to the bar and put my 50, 50p coin. I still remember shaking so much. I couldn't put it in the phone, the pay phone. And my mom, I found out where my mom was and the taxi driver took me there. We're talking about an hour and a half out by the seaside. And I got out of the car and he said, enjoy the rest of your life. No charge. And my mom was standing there and she says, Where's the taxi driver for me to pay for you? Because I lit left with no money. I literally grabbed my, my handbag and whatever. I had no money in it or whatever. And I said, you just saw the taxi leave. She said, I didn't see a taxi. I've just seen you standing on the road, like in trance. So I went, wow. And that was the first time in a very long time I realized. And I said, right, I, I need to follow this path. I need to start my life. So I went to Italy and there was no spirituality there. And when I was in Italy, I went to Oxford and met this girl who was coming to Thailand. And I heard about the Buddhism and all of that. So I said, right, I'm going to go there. And that's clearly where spirit wanted me to start my, my healing career. So this is an amazing story. So you left Ireland 
You mm -hmm. went on to France. You went on to Italy. Italy, Sardinia, Italy, yeah. And then you found yourself propelled to Thailand. And that's <laughs> where and that's where the whole spiritual and your career started to open up and develop. And you I had a friend called not knowing, right? You, you didn't no, know. I had no before. no clue. I was a teacher. I was an English teacher and I'd been teaching English. I did a whole degree in it and whatever the case. And I was a teacher and I thought I'll travel the world and, and see people and, and, and move around because I'd always wanted to travel the world. So there was nothing about spirituality involved. But I met this girl when I lived for, in Italy for three years and which was a, a dream of mine to learn Italian. So I still fulfilled something. But I met this girl called Rosa Bianca and she was incredible. And I could tell when I met her, I said, oh, you're psychic too. And she said, oh, I knew you were psychic. You know, you know, psychic for another, you just look in each other's eyes going, I know you're psychic. Right. But she'd come back, her mother was dying and I touched her arm one day. I said, go to the hospital, mom's going tonight. Cause she was at the hospital every single day. And she said, I don't want, and she said, what are you talking about? My mom's coming out next week. I said, no baby, go to the hospital. Mom's gonna go tonight. And her mom did. So she came to my house after a week of her mom passing and her mom crossed. And her mom didn't just cross and pass a message. She went through me and went through my friend and we could smell her on her clothes. And I said to Rosa Bianca afterwards, right, now I really need to know why this happens. I, it's, it's not spiritual enough for me here. I'm not finding what I need. And she was kind of also a catalyst for me to leave Italy. So when I came here, I had a really hard time and I went, met somebody in the acting as I was doing theater as well. I met someone who said, here, I've done this thing called Reiki. And she said, I think this is for you, not for me. I don't even know why I learned it. And she gave me the manual and I went, oh, this is what I need. So spirit just literally put people in my path in the most unusual places and doing the Reiki and learning how to heighten your vibration and learning how to heal all your stuff and clear all your negativity and, 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 and really connect properly with protection. Bam, that was it for me. So that was a beginning of a love life. Of, of spirituality and Reiki and all those things. Because once you, as you know, once you tap into that, you can pretty much do anything. Mm -hmm. I, so I did house clearings for 10 years. I did removal of black magic and voodoo and da, da, da. And he didn't train me in it, but when you have that kind of protection and vibration and you're working with that and you accumulate all those beautiful guides, it, it's not just for Reiki, you can use it in anything. I, I became a Reiki master only because after I went through the first uh, Reiki one, uh, the teacher said, you're the only person I've decided I would ever put through the master class immediately also. So I went off to Hawaii and finished my master class in Hawaii. And um, I haven't used Reiki in a long time, which is talking with you is making me feel like I wanna take out my papers again and start thinking about it. but. When I did use it, it was exactly what you said. It was for a house removal of a negative energy in a home. It was also to, it was, it gave me a way with people that had lost someone or that were really in the throes of the grief and of, of having lost a loved one of being able to bring in sort of a centered energy to that. And then when I went and did it with someone who was dying it gave her peace and relaxation that she was not able to have for the amount of pain that she was in. But when I did the Reiki, she was able to sleep and go into that 
place of complete rest. And it's a very powerful work. And it really uh, is. It really is. And I had a woman who totally changed my, my life. Um, she was a, um, an Indian lady and she had been dying in hospital for three weeks. So her organs were all shriveled. They, the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on with her. And the family knew me very, very well because I had, um, anyway, that's a long story, but basically I went in and all the family were sitting, standing around and they're like, okay, Deb, what does she want to tell us? And they were kind of like, and I said, no, no, I'm here for her, not for you guys. Maybe in three days, it'll be your turn, but for today, because I already knew I had told them three sessions and she'll leave because they couldn't get her to go and she was suffering. So they had her in an induced coma with all the tubes, which I'm sure you worked with as well. But it was my first experience having a full bone conversation with someone in coma um, because I was able to connect with her higher self. And she was telling me that she had been engaged to this guy. Um, and two months before the marriage happened, um, he broke up and married someone else two months later. And it was just very interesting watching how she never healed from that, how she carried that, how she allowed that toxic energy of the hurt and the pain and the betrayal. She never dealt with it. And she'd married this really wonderfully generous man, very handsome, very well-to-do. Like she had married really well. He'd taken her all over the world. But she lived back in that. She never let go of it. So no matter what he did for her, she played it over and over. And that's what happened to her body. It eventually kicked into the physical from the mental, emotional, and spiritual of holding on to that. Eventually it ma manifests in the physical. So I remember talking to her to ask her to forgive it and, and talk to it the way spirit, like a communicated. And tears were rolling down her face, even though she was in coma and they were like, she's crying. I said, she can hear me. And so the second time I went, we talked and she was, she was saying, oh, I have all these gifts. I was going to go on this holiday. And she was telling me where everything was. I need to make sure these gifts get to everybody. So they all went and ran around doing that, um, her last wishes. And then on the third one, it was just one person that she wanted to say goodbye to. So I got him on the phone. He said, do I not need to fly? I said, for what? She's in coma. <laughs> and he's chatting away to her going, why isn't she responding? She's in coma, dear. Keep going. I'll pass it on. And she literally went from black. They thought, we thought she had black magic on her. She was black. And she became like you and me. And she passed with a smile on her face. And I've never forgotten it. Never forgotten. I've been in hospitals working with people that way many times. And I always share with people, don't wait till you're dying to make that peace. Make it now. Let her be an inspiration to you so she didn't die in vain. And I'm mm -hmm. very much about learning from those experiences and passing off to the living so that we don't do that. <laughs> I have to say... When you opened earlier saying how we have so much in common and you're one of my first guests where I don't know you for 20 years, like some of the other guests in my uh, earlier podcasts. And yet I feel so, I mean, we only have a certain amount of time to talk, but I have a story for everything that you've been telling from the, yes, I had cancer and I ended up out of a relationship and marriage after the cancer when I realized I didn't know how long I was gonna live and it's the exact story you're saying, but it was actually my reality. And um, these other things that you're saying <laughs> about, you know, when my father-in-law was, um, 
he had um, committed suicide, but he did not finish. And he was in the hospital for 10 days. And I went to be with him. And when I got there, my husband had been there already with him. And when we went in, I said, I've got to out of the plane from the airport. And I said, I want to go directly to the hospital. I cannot go to the house. He said, no, you'll see him in the morning. It's nighttime. I said, no, I have to see him tonight. I have to see him now. And he was not in a coma, but he was in a respirator and a thing where there was no way he could ever talk. And I just opened my mouth while standing at the edge of his hospital bed. And the words that just came out were the things he wanted to say. I just let myself be like a vessel to be his speaking. And it meant so much to him. He was shaking his head like this in such appreciation that I could speak these words for him. And when we left the hospital and we're driving off, I turned to my husband and said, now he's going to die tonight. And he said, how do you know he's gonna to die tonight? I said, I just know he's going to die tonight. This is why we, I came here. This was what he, he was waiting for that last moment for that person to appear. And um, we go home and then we're asleep and the phone rings at 3 a.m. or whatever it is, 2 a.m. to say that he had, had passed. And it was a very powerful um, experience to let a person speak through you, but a very helping and assisting thing. So these kind of stories that we share is hopes that other people who hear these stories will then be there for that person and not think, oh, just because they're in a coma, they can't hear me. Or there isn't maybe somebody possibly they couldn't speak through to communicate with us. We maybe can know and feel things in the presence of that person. So these are very good stories for people to share and they're real, they're not made up stories. Very important, very so important because we forget sometimes when we get used to this, that this is very, we're, we are very blessed and it's very unique how we live our lives. We have that insight into that world and everybody else is thinking about their mortgage and their cars and their, their relationships. And they have no clue outside of that how magnificent, you know, the energy is and the kind of when you tap into that. Like I was getting emotional when you were telling the story because it's just the most beautiful thing to be able to do for somebody. And really yes. What I always say is you have to step out of the way, like take away your brain's thoughts that are totally irrelevant and let the spirit come through. And if you can just let yourself get out of the way, then all these wonderful things can envelop, you know, open up in front of you. So I always tell I my students. Yes, we come from the same, uh, whatever you were, were I think we were, you were correct on that assessment. <laughs> and it's think, where we you know, you, you, you show up and let spirit do the rest. I say to my students all the time, show up. It's not about you. You're not doing it show up, be that vessel, be that conduit. You don't need to do anything else except show up and trust and have faith in, and you will see the most incredible things happen. And that's your growth. Well, you actually answered one of the questions I was gonna ask, which was sharing an experience that you've had. So that was very oh. powerful for you. So we spoke about the man. <laughs> so, <There's> so many. <laughs> I, I have so many questions here, but... Um, we are, you know, we're getting on in time. So I wanted to find out about, there were three techniques that you spoke about that mm -hmm. people can do daily to empower their lives. And I was wondering if that's something you could share or if that's 
I know it's well, immense mm, amount, but if there's any captioning or short version. Yeah, one of the things that I have, especially is during the last year and a half, um, mm -hmm. you know, for people like you and me, we're working on ourselves all the time and we have all these different techniques. And I feel like maybe five years ago, people overcomplicate things. So that, the, so that the average Joe will keep going and fumbling around and need to keep paying them because they feel like, well, I'm still confused. I like to keep things so simple. I give it to a person they can do for the rest of their lives, never needing to come back to me. They don't, shouldn't have to come back to me for something that empowers them if you can show them how to do it. I'm very much about empowering people to be their own internal coach. So one of the things that people don't know, and I learned this through a lot through hypnotherapy and the NLP stuff that I did, is that there's a thing called neuroplasticity. We don't have to keep all of these um, belief systems and negativity that we've had since we were kids. We don't have to go, well, I've forgiven my, this person the best that I can, but I'm never gonna forget what they did to me. At the end of the day, it's not the memory that's the problem, it's the emotion attached to the memory that's the problem. From the emotion away from it, which is what real forgiveness and healing does, it's just a memory. It was just a memory. It's no longer really important anymore. And boom, off it goes until something else comes forward. So what I try to tell people is, look, it doesn't matter how long you've been a certain way. Today, you can start afresh and actually prep yourself for success. So getting up in the morning and having a routine of prepping yourself for an incredible day. And you're putting that out into the universe and saying, right, I have now done my part. My intent is to have this awesome day to make all these amazing things happen. People don't, they crawl out of bed, they have their coffee and they hope for the best. And no, not at all. So um, one of the things I love to do every time I have a client is give them certain tools to use and certain awarenesses of this is how you can manage your day and make it phenomenal. So one of the first things that I, I do every day when I wake up is to chant. Most entrepreneurs do it, most millionaires do it. They, nothing's left to chance. You get up in the morning and you chant. So when I did the NLP, one of the chants that we did was, I have all that I need within me now. I am confident, I can do this, yes. And you do it 10 minutes because what happens is your brain goes in going, you look like an idiot or you look stupid, you know, and all that negativity comes to play. But there's a filter between your conscious and subconscious mind that filters what it believes is, is deemed accurate for you. So that's all that negative stuff in that filters into that negative belief you have. And it shoves out and rejects what it deems inaccurate. So we need to bombard that so that drops. And it does if you do it for long enough. So I think it's a, they've timed it for about three to three minutes where you're, that, that filter is going no, no, no. So if you go for the 10, you override it and then you get the good stuff in there. So one of the things that I feel that people don't know is that they're enough. Just that simple. You're enough. So I have all that I need within me now, reminding people, stop looking out there for your joy. Look mm -hmm. in there. Your reality is the fruit of your mind. You're creating your own reality. So it's a reminder. As I say, I have a blouse on today, I can't show you, but my goosebumps are literally here because when I do it, it brings up your vibration. In NLP, they call it getting yourself into peak state, but it actually brings up your energy. I mean, I want you to try it. You're gonna go, oh, my hair is going like this. <laughs> so all that I need within me now, I am confident, I can do this, yes. And your subconscious mind works 
with 75% body language and then the rest is verbal. So when you're going, I've all that I need and you're pulling the energy in from the universe, your subconscious mind going, oh, oh, we're doing that, are we? Oh, okay. And I will, and you know, I'm confident. I, and it's looking at your body language as well as listening to what you're saying. So eventually what happens when you do it often enough, repetition and consistency is how it makes programs. It goes, oh, I'll set a program up for you for that. So after a period of small period of time doing it, you're starting to cancel out that negative stuff you tell yourself in the morning. And now you've got this new of all that I need and you just keep it going. So it's a great way to start your day. It's a great way to prep yourself for success. And then just have your vision of what it is that you want your goals and visualize for five to 10 minutes in that peak state. And then you get on with your day, taking those actionable steps towards those goals until they manifest and are realized people write down goals going oh law of attraction i read the secret and that's it and they go i didn't get it <laughs> if you want something you've never had you got to do something you've never done you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and then be confused that nothing's changed so implementing these small little easy things it's so simple to stand in front of the mirror and feel silly and vulnerable and do it but then after about, I don't know, depending on the person, a week to two weeks, you're like, oh, and you're like, <laughs> so I had this man come to me and he was just like, during COVID, his whole company went down 50%. The people in the company were young. They felt that his ideas were too old and he was trying to use old techniques. And I said, get in there and get your team chanting. And he went, huh? They'll look at me crazy. I said, listen, I've done seminars where the whole room is drunk on energy and every, and I get everyone say, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. And you've everybody and they're, you can physically feel the vibration. I'm like, let's do the work. So I, I've done this in large groups of people, like 50 to 60 people and watch people go nuts on positivity. And it's only like 10 minutes. Didn't even do a 10 minutes for them. So um, he went in and did it. I said, how is it? He said, the negative person that I was having the problem with just left and I got new people in and everything's going great. And I said, see, try well, new things. It's been a it's a stressful time right now. And it's very important to override that. So very important. More important than ever to be able to really? be the best and most positive being that you can be and put out positive energy into this world instead of all the scary negative stuff that we're being you know intensely bombarded with we need to remain like you know you could become incredibly depressed and that that yes. we need to turn that around to becoming incredibly positive yes and so that's that really is very easy mm -hmm. very and once very you get important. used to it then you tweak it for your own thing so when I was doing the course on, on the master level, they got me to write, they get you to write your own chanting for what you want. So I was writing, I'm going to be number one psychic medium, da, 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 I'm going to help this amount of people, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I and I chanted it. You hit I the number one already, this, you, you, so that came true. Let's remind you that uh, you weird, just voted number one. <laughs> and number it's 10 in the world. So filled with a lot of spiritual things going on <laughs> so what what happened was i did it every day for two months and then just kind of got on because everything started manifesting in my life for me and other things because i manifest all the time this is how i live my life i live what i preach basically what you see is what you get 
And so I pass it on go, and I share it with my students. Look what I did. And students can see me manifesting on go, and that inspires them, right? So I teach courses in manifestation and this stuff too. So my friend was looking the other day, I lost something and I was going through all my, 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 my folders and stuff and found the thing I was looking for. And uh, my friend picked up this folded piece of jotter paper and he said, Deb, when did you write this? And I said, what is it? I said, oh, give me that. That probably should go in the bin. He said, no, 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 no. When did you write this? And I looked at it three years ago. Mm-hmm. I only did it for two months. And he said, you've achieved everything on this piece of paper. And the universe made me lose whatever I lost in order for me to find that going exactly three years to the day, Deb. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so my best friend said, because he's very into manifesting as well. He's, he's very similar. He communicates with spirit. We do it differently, but I'm around someone who's just manifesting and positive all the time. And we live that way. You so know, I didn't even know until I, I met this Tiwa Indian man named Frank. And he was, uh, it's a long story that I won't get into here, but he is very regarded amongst all the Native American tribes. He was a, um, make the peace pipes and he was, you know, what they call the road man so that when any ceremonies were done in teepee, he would be the person outside protecting the space for the people inside. And when I met him and it was over a watch repair or something, nothing to do with a Native American ceremony or anything like this, he said that I was the greatest manifester he'd ever met. And I'd never even thought that I manifested anything when he said that. <laughs> and then he started to point out to me, he said, you said you wanted to meet Native American people, he said. And the next thing I know, I hear you're involved with the Weechol Indians in Mexico, a group of people that is very difficult to get involved with. And I had never even thought how our thoughts manifest the things that come because if I'm doing it for someone else or some other thing, it just seems so easy to me that I never right. thought of it as I, you're manifesting something. Right. So I was grateful for his pointing out his, you know, observation or whatever. <laughs> but I started paying attention to that, right. you know, the things that you want, they're going to come to you at certain times and you may not be ready for them when they, when you, you may think of this day, oh, I wanted this. And then when it comes to you a month later, you say, what am I doing with this? <laughs> Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah, you can you can get them, you know, I always say to people, you know, when you forget about it, and you just trust and you kind of just let it be that it comes effortlessly, then like I've had things I wanted since I was a child, and they've all just happened in the last year or two. And I'm like, wow, and that's because I just got happy and I got, you know, manifesting and just live my day one day at a time. And all these things I'd asked for a long time ago all came flooding in without me going after it, like singing. I'm singing with a Grammy nominated performer who happens to be my best friend, Norwood Young from America. And he, we came and met and it was just instant soul connection. So all I wanted to do when I was a kid was sing and heal the world. And, and that was it. And you were laughing at my globe on my website. You're going, that's my favorite song, Heal the World. And I thought, oh my God, this is, we're, we're nuts. Like you and me, the connection is crazy. But, um, you know, there I am singing and it is opening a Hollywood Soul Supper Club. It'll be the first of its kind with soul food in Bangkok. And I'm going to be part of all of that. So not only did I just get to sing, but it's like, bam, you know, on a whole other level. So spirit doesn't... Um, Spirit does things in a big way when you're when you're in alignment with your purpose. Yes. And you're 
And I have to mention, there was something you said earlier that I want to mention is very important that the times when I found myself having dis-ease or disease has often been when I've completely forgot about my connection to spirit or my, what am I doing here? Why and what, what, what's my purpose here? And when I've gotten lost in those ways, that's when I found myself having different body, whether it's depression or actual physical ailments, that often that gets attached to the fact that you're not doing those things you should be. And when you start doing them, those other things seem to dissipate, or as you said, just float away like that. So very important to remember to uh, our listeners that this is a very important thing to remember. You know, we're getting close to our time and I wanted to see, let's see. <clears throat> Did you bring your pendulum? My battery's gone. I wanted to say one thing to you on that point. Uh, I, I had a um, cyst in my breast and I remember it bring me. Um, and I had disconnected from spirit. I was stressing and I wasn't actually allowing. So when I got the cyst, spirit said, this is your alarm. So you know when you're out of alignment. So in the end, I ended up seeing it as a blessing. So when it would go bump, 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 you know, and start hurting, I go, okay, thank you for the reminder. And I would just send it love and say, thank you for the blessing you're bringing me. And it was painful. <laughs> thank you for the blessing. And I would send it Reiki, disappeared on its own and just got back into that alignment. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it really is. If we can look at, at you know, I love what you just did, the dis-ease in the body. I say that all the time, exactly like you just did. It scared me. I'm like, oh my God, do that. <laughs> because it is. This show isn't going to be our last conversation. No, no. <laughs> but, hey, I, can always have, I can always have you on again on another show, but I think we'll be talking before there's another show because we have a <laughs> well, lot. Actually, I was doing dousing. Now that you say it with my friend last night, my bestie has this beautiful chart. Oh, lovely. And as you can see, there is um, months and dates and yeses and nos and all of that. And we actually asked last night if this would be the only podcast and it said no, there'd be another one. <laughs> <laughs> Here is my pendulum. <laughs> oh, I wanted to show you my pendulum. I keep, oh, I want to see it. I keep it in this little bag. It's oh, this a bag is so bag. adorable. It's adorable miniature version of the bags that we chose make that they use for carrying oh, all things. Adorable. Oh, but this is the pendulum. You're and not playing. You are funny. not playing. I have never seen a pendulum like that before. Wow. Look at it. It's responding very intensely. It's going yes. So for me, when I, it, it says yes when it goes clockwise. And when it goes counterclockwise, it says no, but I'm just amazed at how much energy it's getting off of your face because <laughs> I have to hold this in a certain spot of my body before it starts to react. So anyway, I just wanted to show that. Uh, it's beautiful. You. Where is that? What is that made from? It's a piece of like balsa wood and it has these different symbols on it. There's this symbol it's on beautiful. this side and then this symbol on this side. And it's I beautiful. did not know what it was when... It was an Ecuadorian shaman that was visiting at our shaman conference and I had no idea what to do with this. And then one day I had somebody else had had a pendulum and they were doing, I said, oh, this is a pendulum. And it has never failed me since. I've had it for years 
and it doesn't change. I always ask it first, show me what your yes is going to be. Show me what your no is. And the, the thing I just wanted to ask you was when I was reading through your lovely website and all of the different classes that you offer, which will all be in our description at the on the show for people to be able to contact you, I read about your pendulum things and I thought, I've only done yes or no. And if it goes this way, it's maybe, you know, it just goes back and forth. But when I was reading the description of your class, it was like there was so many other things to do with the pendulum that I had never, you know, I didn't know, do I sign up here or, you know, where do I call <laughs> But I, I thought if there was anything you could just share in our last little talk here with the listeners about the uses of a pendulum, because I've done, this is all I know. And when I saw yours, I was like, what, you can do that? So I was wondering if you had just a little time to share, you know, sure. what that experience Well, it, it's, it still is a yes or no, but I think people, we can use it for our personal use. I think the thing that maybe you found a little bit um, interesting or different was using it for um, Reiki practitioners to um, boost their diagnostic skills and deepen their connection with spirit when they're doing a Reiki treatment. So over the years, I've been a Reiki master teacher, I think 13, 14 years now. And um, I've taught um, lots of things in, in Reiki, but there are other courses that I teach to enhance the student's ability to get better. So one of the things I've noticed, I'm sure you've noticed over the years, and maybe you went through yourself was you're on somebody, you know, giving energy to somebody and things are coming but you don't know what kinds of questions to ask about the information coming in. So um, I remember, I always tell my students this story that um, when I was like a level one, um, this girl was on the table in front of me and I just kept seeing um, Haagen-Dazs, strawberry Haagen-Dazs with a big spoon <laughs> in it. And I was like, what's that? And I was so embarrassed and so insecure of, and afraid of being wrong. I went, "Never mind," And I didn't say anything. And I was working on her stomach. And then spirit went, Hagen does strawberry ice cream. And I'm like, what? I'm not gonna tell her, what's that gonna do? Spirit said, ask. So I was like, ooh, okay. So I said to her, um, did you eat, sorry, I'm really embarrassed and I made all these excuses, but did you eat, recently eat Hagen does strawberry ice cream, a big tub of it, like they do in America, you know, on the TV soaps, you know? She said, yeah, I had one last night. She said, me and my boyfriend broke up. And she said, she said, how the hell would you know that? And then I went, but what's the, that's just showing off. That's not, that's not for me of any interest to be able to do that. And so I said to spirit, mm -mm, no, I don't want to pick up on that. That's not fun for me. And they went lactose intolerant. Mm -hmm. And that was like, trust us. So her stomach that she'd come for the healing for, that she was having so much pain and all that stuff is because she'd eaten the, so I said, okay, you've got to trust. So what, you know, what I realized was we don't, we don't really know how to ask the right kinds of questions in order to be able to really expand what you're doing to make a map. Mm -hmm. So it's basically um, to give first and foremost, you should always have a connection with spirit before you use a pendulum. Mm -hmm. and, and I really want to put that out there. The protection that you need, again, we're back to the protection that you need before you work with anything spiritual is ultimate because you don't know what's coming in to give the answer. So right. people need to be very, very mindful 
I'm not interested in Ouija boards or any of those kinds of things that bring in dark energies. I'm all about light, 1 million percent. I know that you are. So the first thing is protection. So you must have some, this is how I work personally, you must have some connection with spirit to begin with. So for me, it isn't about the pendulum. Oh, the pendulum said yes to me or the pendulum said no. And I always tell people, forget all that nonsense. What the pendulum is, is a final confirmation of what spirit already told you. So when you're not sure as a beginner and you're starting out, I will say to the person, for example, um, is the heart chakra open? Okay, so for me, just to let you know, I'm gonna show you, show me yes, please. Show me stronger, please. Okay, thank you, spirit. So mine is back and forth, thank you, spirit. Spirit, show me a no, please. See, it's already going. <laughs> That's my no, okay. So I would say, is the heart chakra open? Okay, it's a yes, okay. Um, if I got a no, then I would say, is it in the physical body? And you get a yes or no. Is it in the mental body? Is it in the uh, physical, spiritual, mental? You go through all the bodies. If you get then get it, it's in the physical body. Okay, how long is it there? Is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it a month? So you keep going. And then if, especially if it's in the heart chakra, you can say, is it a female? Is this because of a female? Is it because of a male? So they start to break down the kinds of questions they can ask that gets information that's not intrusive, that is not an assumption, and that basically keeps everything with integrity. You, I, you just taught me something wonderful. So I'm Aww. so grateful that you've been here as my guest because I've only used it where I hold the pendulum in front of their body and ask them to ask their own question internally and not to even tell me anything. And then I just say what the pendulum says, yes or no, and they take that information with them. But the idea of me asking questions around their body never occurred to me. So I'm <laughs> going to try this now that you suggested this and I'm really, really thrilled about it because oh, then it's not just me asking them your own internal question. I may have this, like someone I was doing shamanic stuff on, I could feel how their back was just not correct. Right. And so at the end I said, is there something wrong with your back? And they said, yeah, my dog had knocked me down and I'd been in pain for a while. You could take the pendulum then and hold it into the area of the body and say, does my friend have difficulties right here in this part of their body? And the pendulum could say yes or no. I'm going to try this with my next. But you can also you can also ask things like, was this person not grounded? Is this person yeah. not grounded right now? Because it, although it's in the physical body, the symptom, they might have been in their head so much they tripped on the dog. So you can take it a whole different level instead of just looking at the symptom of the pain in the body. Well, how did they get? You see, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps on my face. How did they get there? Are they grounded right now? Well, no. Have you been, you know, because people start falling. Like I know for me, I always fall and hurt my arm if I'm not grounded, always. Mm -hmm. So then I always go, okay, my head, I was in my head. I wasn't absolutely present at all. And I haven't been for the last week, which is why I've broken glasses and not things. But people go, oh, I'm just clumsy yeah. right now. Yeah. Or it must be my yeah. hormones. Sometimes but so you can go like much you're deeper. deeper. Sometimes it feels like you're even getting pushed. You know, when right. I have those days right. that everything is going wrong, I could swear some behind me pushed me. And that's what, <laughs> I, you know, I, 
and there's nobody there, but it feels really like you've been like, wake up, you idiots, you know? <laughs> You're half asleep, not to push you down, so you'll wake up. But, but for real, for real. And the thing but is, sometimes spiritual. Feeling, right? Well, it's like I said to my friend one day, okay, so I fell down and I hurt my arm, but that's better than me getting hit by a car next week because I didn't learn and I didn't realize I'm not grounded and I need to get out of my head. So here's the deal. Instead of saying to the person, oh, is it in your back when you know, is it in the mental body? Big yes. Okay, so what's this person been stressing about so that you're not dealing with the symptom, you're getting to the roots, so you're helping them in a much deeper way and they're gonna go, oh my God, I didn't connect that. That's amazing. My next visitor for a shamanic blessing, or I do these little shamanic blessings or uh, I don't know what to call them. I call them blessings. So the next one that comes, I'm going to use it. I'm going to try a different approach now from what you've taught me today. And I'm very grateful for it. So we have to wind down now. And so I have my final question for you. Can you share with listeners how they can reach you to take a class or have a reading or a healing or anything else before we end our show? Anything you'd like to tell our listeners you're welcome to say your websites or anything you like and knowing that the listeners will also be able to read it in the description, but anyone who might be listening and just would like to know right away how they can go right to your website. So if you could just share this little closing part with me. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm actually on, my website is very easy. It's my name, <laughs> debbiegray.com. Um, and there's everything on there. There's lots of different kinds of courses for psychic development, for healing meditation. I've written courses in healing meditation. I've written courses in manifestation that are very cute and fun. I've written courses in the tarot, but not teaching you how to pick up a tarot card and go, okay, this means this. How to actually channel and connect and work with telepathy and then working with the visions within the, the tarot and being able to to whatever. So I pulled a picture here, for example, um, this card here is a judgment card. Yes. But one day I used this with this gorgeous man and I had finished channeling for like an hour with him, what spirit wanted. And this card came up and bam, I was in India watching him sitting at a fire ceremony uh, with the bindi and dressed in an orange robe. And he burst into tears. And I said, you're going to spend the rest of your end, your end days in India. And he said, that's been my biggest wish. I've been back and forward to drum circles and fire da, 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 for 12 years. And I've been wondering if I should go back. So that has nothing to do with the meaning of this card. So there's so much more you can do expanding how we work with spirit. And that's just confirmation like a pendulum would be for me at the mm -hmm. end. So there's courses in that. And there's courses in lots of things and lots of different services. So I work on Zoom. Um, and I work online internationally, obviously you can see, oh, by the way, I'm no longer 59 countries. I'm 60. Oh, wow. From Slovenia yesterday. <laughs> oh, great. Probably were relative of mine. Who knows? No, I don't know. <laughs> um, so also I'm on TripAdvisor um, as well. If you put Debbie Cray Psychic Medium, I pop up. So I'm pretty much all over the internet. Um, when I did the House Hunters on television, um, People found me very relatively easy. A lot of people in America actually contacted me because they showed it a number of times there and it was, it was very easy. So I'm on Instagram, debzer777, E-B-Z-E-R-777, um, Facebook, Debbie Cray, website and TripAdvisor and Google has me as well. So yeah. 
Well, thank you. Spell your last name for everyone because they might think Cray, which I'm glad I called and spoke with you ahead so I knew how to pronounce it, but it's spelled C-R-E-A-G-H. It so is, yeah, Cray. It's actually pronounced Cray. Cray. Yeah. So I want to thank you so much for being here with us today, Debbie. And it's been a pleasure. It's been just an absolute joy to have you here. I hope to have you again. And definitely we'll have to speak in between or text <laughs> email or whatever it is from here to Thailand. So for I want sure. to thank you for sharing your stories. And I want to thank our listeners to remember here on a small, medium, at large podcast, like us, share us, subscribe. We'll see you next time. And remember, share your stories. They can heal. Bye. And so now that we're coming toward the end of our talk here, we've had a wonderful visit with our friend Debbie Cray here. I just had to share one little quick story about myself who's gone to many different psychics and had readings throughout my life. But I happen to have one particular one that I had in my 30s, somewhere in my 30s. And I wish I knew who that psychic was so I could say to her, oh, you were right, you know? <laughs> so I asked her back then, because everyone told me you should be writing a book. And I was sort of working on it and didn't really have it done. But I wanted to know, was that a reality? Am I really going to publish a book? And she says to me, oh, yes, you're going to have a book. And she said, you'll be publishing it, but you'll be in your late 60s when you do it. And when she said that, I said to myself, what kind of psychic thing is that to say? 30 years from now, I'm going to write a book and it's finally going to get published? Well, here I am, 66 now, starting a podcast, being on all these interview shows and looking to publish my book. So I'm hoping that that psychic was right because it is, I'm 66 now. So I'm at that end of the 60s where she said it'll happen. So I'm hoping someday it happens. Anybody knows? Oh, no, anything? you're, you're, you're going to publish your book. You're going to publish your book. And I feel like there's things that you're going to do in the next two to three years that are really going to consolidate everything that you've done. I feel like this is your time to shine. You're coming out now and all of this with the podcast. There's, you're going to see next three okay. years going to be very exciting. Well, I hope you'll be around to, and I'll be able to- oh, I will. <laughs> I will. All right, okay, so I'll stop, I'll stop now, but I don't know if that can be put in.